0: Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is episode two hundred and sixty-one. I'm Scott Jones. I'm Bill Borg, and we have a third party with us, a third person here in the studio, who is Adam Borneman. Adam, say hello.
2: Hey, folks. Good to be in the presence.
0: It's good to have you here. It's the first time I've met you, Adam. Awesome.
2: I know it's kind of weird. I've been. I needed proof that Bill wasn't just virtual or some sort of apparition. So <laughs> I can, is, ver- I he can verify. He is so real.
0: Yeah. So real, I can't stand myself.
1: He is more real than reality itself. Is I can't that possible? begin to
2: know what that means. Yeah, the super real.
1: I don't know if it is. The,
2: hi- the hyper real? It's, it's a new book I have
0: coming out.
2: Let's just go French philosophers right now. Let's see just... for, for 100. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> does your dog a bite?
1: Uh, so, what about Pascal?
0: No, I was and talking about. Love the hyper- has its own reasons.
1: Love Re- has reasons. Yeah.
2: So
0: anyway.
1: Adam, you are from Macedonia Ministries.
2: Yep. I'm a PCUSA pastor, but I work full time with a nonprofit that does peer learning for pastors of all shapes and sizes and denominations across the States and in Scotland.
1: That's interesting. So and, and no other place outside the States <laughs> other than Scotland.
2: And actually, if you really would have pushed me on it, it's really just like in the St Andrews area of Scotland. So do you golf? Uh, You know, I used to golf a lot when I was in high school and college, worked on golf courses, that sort of thing. But actually, when I've gone over there, I haven't golfed. I've walked the course a few times, and it's beautiful. Yeah.
1: And it's not Scottish as crap. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I just got back from Scotland last week, so that line is fresh in my head. Very good. Well, you know, they have
0: these Scottish and Scotch tours. (laughs) <laughs> like you go play or scotch, or golf and scotch. I mean, they have these tours. So that actually, probably by the end, I wouldn't really care what my game was. I'm I for know. that.
2: <laughs> no, I did get to visit I uh, visited um, Dalwine distillery up in the Highlands oh, wow. last week. That was cool. Needed to check off visiting a distillery off my Scotting, uh, Scotland travel list. Yeah, kidding. I've never been to Scotland. I've been to
0: Ireland a bunch of times and England, but I've never been to Scotland. So should it's on my list. Yep. So, that's good. That's beautiful. So uh, tell me, tell us a little more about what you do with Macedonia. I'd like to hear, I, I just found out about this yeah. when we were talking about you coming here.
1: So. But in just like two minutes. <laughs> okay. Because the, the audience, they're going to yeah, like it. We'll they, they, put it in the no show notes, but care. we don't want to go I mean, on and on. Unless there's stories that are hilarious. Uh,
2: there there are many, many hilarious stories. I'm not going to bore you with any of them. Um yeah, here's the drinking from a fire hose version of what this is. So we assemble uh, groups of usually a dozen pastors in, in cities all over the country. They come together. They, they make a three-year commitment. They meet together once a month for three or four hours. They do a lot of um, working on best practices, being a healthier pastor, healthier leader. They retreat together. They have guest speakers, workshops, um, I I love it. I got I got into this because I was a pastor in one of those groups mm-hmm. in Birmingham, and it was a life changer, and uh, That's great. really just su- help sustain ministry. So I love what we're doing, and we're doing a lot more of it all the time. So. That's good.
0: Yeah, you and I were talking beforehand. That might be the the greatest task in front of clergy is
2: how do you sustain this? Over oh yeah, long? how do you yeah. stick with this and yeah. not just stick with it, but like and be healthy and find joy in it and yeah. be hopeful. Yeah, I, you know, as a young pastor, one of the
0: things I it was most discouraging and sad to me is watching the day you know on the floor of Presbyterian wherever mm. they retired, <laughs> and how many of them were pretty beaten down, you know, yeah. and and how often people just act. It was almost like all right now, you know, clean out your desk, and security will escort you to. <laughs> it's the so floor. true, I don't know. and uh, uh, yeah, ending well, I think is, uh, is yeah, it's, it's a, a, it's a spiritual it. discipline. Yeah, it's kind
1: of interesting. Adam, if somebody was going to, I mean, there are so many trillions of resources out there for mm-hmm. ministers and many of which i'm sure are not Worth as good time. as some others <laughs> what nah. like if you were gonna had 30 seconds to pitch somebody why macedonia other than that it's got a biblical name which is fantastic but what 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 would be the why you and not somebody else why should somebody <laughs> oh, throw man, their money pitch. That's their time and their treasure and their talent yeah, and have you ever listened to the podcast Startup? Yeah. Yeah. Where they, where he, remember that one guy that's uh-huh. like, imagine this an Uber ride. I'm waiting mm-hmm. for my Uber ride. You have 60 seconds to pitch your show. And the guy, like, he thought you had this great pitch. He's like, okay, that was terrible. Let me tell you what you should have done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we're not going <laughs> to do that. We're not going to do that. We
1: wouldn't know. We wouldn't know it was a good pitch.
2: Right. That's yeah. Right. I, I think the simplest way to put it is I think the, the only way to build long term sustainable ministry is to do it in collaboration with a diverse group of people. And really the only way you can do it is if you're committed to, like like I said, meeting every month for three years, because three years becomes arbitrary. You know, I was just talking to one of our pastors the other day, and they said, you know what, I ran into this person in our cohort that I really didn't like very much, but because of the cohort, we had to work through some things and now this person is one of my most valuable friends and they'll be a friend for life so you build a community of people who's going to be there with you um for for a lot of people for the rest of their lives to kind of support them in life and ministry so that's why it's different it's it's not just comprehensive it's not just skilling up it's a long-term sustainable sustain um sustainable sustainable building uh type group so like I said, I, I experienced it firsthand, so I love being able to pass it on to others.
1: Bill yeah. and I have that with the podcast. Like it's you know we're committed to at least like eight hundred and sixty two episodes <laughs> so that we could be friends. You know it's such it a cliche,
2: all. but but clergy isolation is so rampant, and uh, when you and and you invite people into a community like that, it is it shifts the ground under their feet. So
0: you know one of the things that struck me too uh, almost all denominations and then all the non denominational. Network groups, they're they're probably all less diverse than they were twenty or thirty years ago, and that and you don't you exactly what you
2: we find we found it easier to work ecumenically because we're not well, working through anybody's structures.
0: Well, and the part <laughs> and the other part of the problem is that the culture war fallout and has played out among denominations and Christian groups is you can avoid being with people mm-hmm. who you disagree with who have things to teach you, and I think that's that's a great insight. That's good good for you.
1: Bill makes me. Run into people I don't agree with, or just he just takes me out of the bunker every now and again, just, <laughs> so just to walk around. Sometimes. Well, I like
2: to get a little vitamin, to, get some sun, get exact. a little vitamin D, like,
1: uh, like the vitamin more, like D. the more, lo- I'm like a Morlock. Uh,
2: <laughs> There's so, a very small uh, window down here, but I wonder if that's sufficient yeah, I, for your vitamin I, I, D. I just
1: open it up for a <laughs> little natural lighting. <laughs> Shout out to Don Depi for helping us with the lighting. This is <laughs> yeah. the best lit shot I think he's we were have. And a lighting expert, and a lighting expert. Yeah. So, uh, before we get into our topic du jour of the day, with. Mr. Borneman, the right Reverend Mr. Borneman. So, guys, current events, a couple things. Alex Jones is being sued.
0: for te- Yeah, for having temporary psychosis.
1: Right? Well, no, that's his defense <laughs> of all the things he you had to can't temporary... sue him for that. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's his defense for the Sandy Hook denial. It's like basically the media, I guess, like the media makes you, it's so much fake news. You think it's, it's it makes psychosis. Let me yeah. sell you some natural vitamins. That's but, pretty
0: good. I think he should have gone with the George Costanza defense.
1: Yeah, wait, uh, the opposite.
0: I or no, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, <laughs> yeah. Is that was that
2: wrong? Because <laughs> yeah, if I had known.
1: But if that's a viable defense, why don't we always that? somebody like B- Bill and I are saying from episodes 106 to 113 bad ratings psychosis Psychosis. <laughs> like, every... why wouldn't you? joe biden i smelled that woman's hair psychosis i mean you could just tick down the list of yeah, psychosis there we go the, yeah. other, the
2: other costanza defense is you know it's not a lie if you believe it <laughs> yes <laughs> that's the other one i thought of. that would be like the
0: that would be like the, the entire t- last two and a half years
1: elon uh. musk elon musk has written a rap song
2: of course
0: you yeah, didn't see
1: that coming, yeah. yeah. I actually heard it. Uh, I should. For, I, I
0: actually think he should do it in that car if it's, he launched in space. So you know, he they they he launched one of their cars. It's orbiting the Earth. Mm-hmm. So I think he should go in that car, and that's where the rap should be done.
1: Why is the bunker orbit the Earth? I mean, not with us in it.
2: How do, how do people know it's not exactly? That's right. Once but we you get, know what once the, we get the green screen up, we can put yeah, out. We do the
1: green screen <laughs> arrived today. But I think it's going to take. You know, the good, thing,
2: the good thing about this whole Alex Jones situation is that you're going to probably have more pretty amazing videos from Alex Jones. By the way, the first part of that
0: statement was, <laughs> I, you, you lost me there. The good thing about this, Alan, <laughs> that's, you lost me there. So whatever else you said was just blah, 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 blah.
1: Bill's part of the lizard person. Pizza, PizzaGate yeah. conspiracy. That's yeah. why he's saying things like that. He's part of the Anything. left-wing media establishment
0: conspiracy. That's me right over here, Mister Establishment.
1: And this <laughs> you know, the other thing I found interesting from the news, other than you know, all the uh, total exoneration, <laughs> Bill Maher had this great thing. He was like, you know, Donald Trump turned to Eric and said, "I'm totally exonerated." Eric was like, "Dad, is that good?" <laughs> 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 but uh, the other thing is that Sharon Osbourne got. Taken off uh, the X Factor or whatever. Was it the X Factor? Or whatever. What's whatever? Um, who's the guy that was uh, Simon Cal Got all the, gets all these women fired when they're too old, like Cardi B and. And Heidi Klumer off of America's Got Talent because he's on. They want younger women. And Sharon Osbourne got kicked off. And so that Simon Cowell just sounds like not a nice person.
0: I would say Cardi B is still pretty in.
1: <laughs> I would've, I would've kept or not to... Cardi B, not Cardi B. <laughs> Mel B, not oh, Mel, Mel B. Oh, Mel right, B, right, not oh, Cardi B. Right, right. But say. Bill, every time people write in and say Bill's too old for the show, I say, no, he's not thank I you, I appreciate, you I appreciate that i'm committed to you i was
2: actually the last person that wrote that in
1: yeah did you? <laughs> that's just, Actually. Yeah. actually <laughs> we're <I just> naming <laughs> names that was borderman anything right. else we want to talk about just in the current events other than uh, the I phillies you, murdered you the know, braves
0: and i didn't i actually didn't yeah swept them and I, I actually didn't know that el salvador honduras and guatemala were mexican countries but i found <laughs> I
2: saw out that out
1: a bill I know more about Central America than anyone. Technology, in fact, if you put up a Jeopardy board, Central America, and technology and hacking would be my dream boards.
0: Yeah, I actually (laughs) think there may be no one who works for this current administration that has any idea of any – can give you five facts – About anything south
2: of our border, or just five, or just five facts, five facts. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to stop. It's not a lie if you believe it.
1: There we go. There we go. Sarah Huckabee Sanders be like, hey, Bill, I'll give you a fact. You're going to get deported right now. (laughs) You like Guatemala so much? How'd you like to live there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's
1: the best thing though. You know how you stop uh, the influx of people fleeing country, you cut aid. <laughs> yeah. Because
0: <that's, laughs> well, it's it, interesting. That's you, make, why, you make it worse. Yeah. That's yeah. why
1: Mexico, the immigration dropped so drastically because their economy got it's so much well, better. And right. so there's the incentive to be in the shadows and be, you Yeah, know, it's just very... And, and the
0: fact that the destabilization of El Salvador, Guatemala, yeah. and Honduras, we have our fingerprints all over that. Yeah. So, yeah. By, well, by
1: the way, you know, taking America, don't you just see people driving by the summer... With people picking crops, you know, like awful conditions going, damn it, I wish I had that job. (laughs) Taking jobs Americans want.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. know. All
1: right, so let's get into something today. What, are they
2: pastoring? Is that the job that...
1: Okay, (laughs) hey, hey. Hey, that's... Because that's definitely not... Mainline Protestants, man. (laughs) I'll tell you, uh, there's a lot of of, uh, uh, immigrants do not call me mainline undocumented they would outwork a mainline process advanced right in the week. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this person's doing everything. They're hustling. <laughs> That's about right. So, Bill, I don't know if you know this. Adam borneman has a book on John Williamson Nevin.
2: I did not know. Well, I do that you did mention it to
1: me. Yeah. All right.
2: I had forgotten that until you reminded me a couple weeks ago. It
1: Whipfenstock. So it's uh
2: <laughs> I mean, we're we're actually we're big Nevin fans.
1: We are big ne- and let me it's also hard to tell find you, those. The nephew of Wipf, of Wipf and Stock, is a listener to the show, Who's right? that? Andrew Stravitz. Oh, wow. A big listener, big fan of the show. Very cool. Six degrees of...
2: <laughs> of Nevins. Of, of
1: something. I don't know where six degrees from. It's seldom anything <laughs> that interesting. But. So, you know, I, I, want, I wanted to uh, read a passage. Last time I did this was with uh, our Lutheran resident oh. expert, Adam Morton. We had a great show. So,
0: um, a, a historic show, really. It's, historic. One that, it's one that gets almost referenced every other episode because, yeah. Adam gave us one of the great quotes of all time. What was that? Well, uh, what was the quote? The question was, uh, the development of Luther's thought, and you have to do Adam's
1: quote. Oh, uh, so Bill and he were arguing about, uh, basi- basically Luther interpretation, and, and Adam wanted to take. Uh, you know an early view of Luther it, it, he wanted to sort of, Bill was saying don't you think Luther developed and evolved and there are different, you know, so where do you think Luther uh, reached his maturity and Adam goes, second half of 1517 <laughs>
2: Okay, and then it yeah. started. Don't pose like, any of that kind of stuff uh, regarding Nevin to me. I'll, I'll, I'll bomb on that score. Like, there no well, you could just make up a date. Yeah. Let's say both, uh, I, 1847. I, I, we, we probably
1: should. Put there some, was Halloween. The mask came off, and there was Luther.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we probably should. Uh, are you going to? I'm assuming most of our listeners. Know something of Nevin, but maybe really, I, I wouldn't assume. Well, I was, I, was,
1: I, I wouldn't I, assume, I was, assume the three of us was, know much. I, <laughs> <Nevin>. <laughs> Look, if Jeopardy came on and the final Jeopardy ca- category was Burke theology, <laughs> who here would not bet at all? Uh, <laughs> would you? I would bet at all. I'd probably bet at all. I wonder if my friend Jonathan
2: Bonomo is watching. He's, he's a
1: Nevin. Adam Morton, second half. Of 15, Fifteen, eighteen. 18. Yeah, I, I was gonna say uh, you guys... I stole that from Oswald Bayer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't tell us that
0: because we've been giving Dude, you. Dude, we
1: need Morton back. Morton, when are you coming back? <laughs> Morton is the man. There we go. Is he the one on Facebook that's possibly Adam Morton? Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just assumed that. was. I think we're friends on Facebook.
1: He is the man. He's a. He's a, doing a PhD with Simeon Zoll. Uh, yeah. He's. A, he's. He's going to be one of the. Theolo- the- theological leading lights in North America. Anytime. All right. Very good. So uh so Nevin was, I would say, the greatest theologian American theologian of the nineteenth century. I don't think that's Well, a, I'm
2: I'm super biased, but I don't think I would, that's would, an overstatement. I, would, I mean
1: who else who would be I mean no, who I would gr- be the runner up? Bushnell, like
2: Hodge or Bushnell.
1: I mean I Hodge. I mean <laughs> I mean right, just, that, I'm not dismiss I don't mean to be dismissive no, of Hodge. I, I mean, Hodge is a cultural. Hodge is a kind of Kuyperian figure, like or a kind of, or even a Billy Graham type figure. I mean, more, more Tim, sophisticated. But as a cultural figure, someone at, at Princeton like Hodge in the 19th century was somebody that was shaping, yeah, I mean, American religious maybe, life. Maybe that's, Timothy that's Dwight. I mean. Timothy Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah.
2: a good. That's a good call too. Yeah. yeah but I, I think a little bit earlier.
0: But, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess he's kind of. He dies in the early part of the 19th century. I, yeah, so I think that, I think, and he's probably.
1: By the way, Adam from Facebook is telling us, Adam Morton. By the way, if you're listening for the first time, we stream this Facebook live. And so if you want to, if you see us pop up, uh, it usually comes on my feed, Scott Jones. And you could post questions like a call-in show, but less dynamic. But Adam says he's not with Simeon anymore. Simeon left him for Cambridge. Connor Cunningham is is his supervisor now. Worst move in Simeon's life. Should have taken you with him, dude.
0: <laughs> no, but I think we could arguably say he. We would. We would. I think we would agree he's the greatest American theologian of the 19th century. Absolutely. And someone hardly anyone. Someone who's pretty unknown. Yeah. yeah. J-
1: just in terms. And of it was like, overshadowed by his colleague Philip Schaff, who I mean is no slouch, but was not the, the, the theological.
2: No, he. But he's certainly genius. a giant, but not the theological mind that Nevin yeah. was. Nevin, Nevin was. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I think the difference there, too, is that the Hodge had a huge cultural influence. But if I want to read somebody who's really thinking deeply,
1: uh, I read Nevin. Yeah, I and mean, it it wrote a book, probably the most famous book that today would, would be The Mystical Presence, right? I mean, right. it, which is his own view of Calvin's view of the Eucharist, which he argues is actually the patristic view of the Eucharist. Right. And Charles Hodge hated that book, <laughs> and he said it sat for years before I reviewed it, and and you know, you got a guy when Hodge just says, basically, all right, I'll agree that maybe there's something to this is Calvin's view, but there's a reason Calvin's view didn't make it in any reformed confessions. It was idiosyncratic. We're Zwinglians as reformed. Well,
2: and it's quite a credit to Nevin that, you know, Hodge spilled so much ink on this. Yeah, I mean, he's a busy guy, but he hmm. spent a lot of time going back and forth with Nevin, so he certainly thought it was worth it.
1: You know, um, people asked Hodge to run for president. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of odd. People you know. asked bill run for. it's fun- funny bill and i in the last podcast i asked bill three questions that the democratic candidates are asking and he didn't know i was gonna do this so i just did it boom 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 i called bill like two hours so i was like Bill, you know it's interesting like i feel like you- don't let this go to your head but i feel like your answers were better than anything i the campaign get <laughs> you
2: have a message on your screen what does oh. that mean
1: oh disc is too slow you're we're too just, slow we just lost something but i figured out how to like make it looked like
2: numbers stopped moving so i assumed something was amiss Keep your eye on that, buddy. Oh, I'm, I'm all over it.
0: So how did you um, come to write a book about Nevin? Oh, that's
2: fun. Uh, let's see. So um, went to seminary, Gordon Conwell, thought I was going to do – take a philology route. I was a classics major. I thought I wanted to do more language. Got it – to an intermediate Greek class. And, but the first week I, it hit me. I don't want to do this anymore.
1: So I dropped that. <laughs> all out. you need yeah. to know to not do biblical studies is watch somebody looking at Eucharistic flashcards. <laughs> 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 You're <They're> like,
2: Nope. <laughs> that was a crazy thing at Gordon Conwell is you could take Eucharistic
1: and yeah, you could take stuff. it at Princeton. When I was there. Oh, cool. by yeah, the way, yeah. from Facebook, we have, uh, wait, no, it was the wrong one. Sorry. So, so interesting comment from, from Adam Morton. Again, <laughs> if you have me on again, I'll talk about Eric prices late, late career use of Luther. Uh, and prizes, of course, is the guy that Bart was reacting to oh, right. on Antichrist in the natural theatre. All right, you're booked, buddy. You sold us. It's, <laughs> it's, you're booked. If you can get here in seventy-five minutes, you know, you'll do yeah. the second segment yeah, of the show.
2: We'll see how many people we can fit in here. Yeah. So Okay, so yeah, I so I dropped this Greek class because it hit me that I didn't want to do that anymore. And I took um American Puritanism. And realized, oh my gosh, I love this American historical theology stuff. And so, and then I took a class on, um, did, did a bunch of more classes on American history and theology. And I was actually reading E. Brooks Hollyfield's Theology in America one day, and he's got this like thirty-page chapter on Mercersburg. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember reading that, thinking, oh my god, this is. I mean, it was just like so much of what I've been looking for. I was just become kind of dissatisfied with my own Reformed tradition. Um, theologically, in some ways. And uh, I read Nevin and thought, wow,
1: this is great. And by so, your own Reformed tradition, are you talking about the PCUSA?
2: Um, no, I, I kind of grew up all over the block. Um, I was PCUSA, UMC. I was um, I was a, a product of RUF, which was a PCA campus ministry. So I've been kind of all over the place. great music. They do have great music, yeah. So I, I, th- I think basically I had inherited, I didn't know this at the time, but I had inherited that very... Hoji way of thinking about mm-hmm. salvation and the church, and it seemed all very transactional and um there was a lot of exchanging happened and I read nevin and I was like, Oh wow, this is like being inserted into Christ's person but you know was just, there was a lot of like the organic idealism in Nevin that had like a much more um, romanticized view of um theology, so i i mean organic ideals.
1: On. I mean, there's ideas working themselves out in history, it's kind of Hegelian, yeah.
2: He does, he does, I mean, he has a Hegelian streak in him for sure. He's um, got a
1: Schleiermachian streak, yeah. a Hegelian streak, yeah. There's it,
2: some differences, but I that that's really attractive because right? it, it, I think, is just a, a broader again. That word organic shows up so much in an organic view of of the cosmos and what Mm -hmm. the, and what the uh, life and person resurrection of Jesus means for that. So I was hooked on it right in the middle of seminary. And then i stayed at Gordon Conwell to do a THM and um, under the supervision of Rick Lentz and Gordon Isaac uh, wrote a thesis on Nevin. And then at year after seminary, it was a good time to write more on Nevin. A bunch of my peers and colleagues were writing on Nevin. So I went to Whippenstock and said, would you be interested in this? They said, yes. So I, Double the length of the thesis and published it as a manuscript. That's and awesome. But and that was when I still had time because I didn't have kids or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I was. I thought about that the other day. I thought, my goodness, how would you ever do this if you didn't have that sort of time? So yeah. that was back in almost ten years ago. I remember. I remember someone
0: asked me at that stage of my life, "Well, what are your hobbies? I have four: Ben, Adam, <laughs> John,
2: and Peter. <laughs> you know, uh, Scott. Knows. I can only
1: testify to one of their karaoke skills." <laughs> John and they're outstanding and I can testify to two of their golf skills and John's golf skills are not as good as his karaoke but they're still they're intrepid <laughs> Bill's got great sons I do very
2: it blessed. would be so hard to do anything like that at this stage of life but I remember at the time uh when I was putting this together I, when I was in Birmingham I used to get together with Rich lusk every once in a while and Scott you know Rich and maybe some of the watchers do today but rich Rich asked me he said so you kind of want to be this pastor theologian type. I said, well, I, 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 you know, I enjoy this kind of work. He said, you won't have time to do this ever again. <laughs> 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 he told me, you know, I was like 26 years old. He said, yeah, this won't
1: ever happen again. Uh, <laughs> Rich is a pastor's theologian, pastor's theologian. I mean, uh, Rich is Yeah, He,
2: he actually he did find time to do that work better yeah. than me. So. Yeah.
1: Lightheart does it. He has 10 kids.
2: Yeah, that that guy is just unbelievable. He, he
1: told me, it, well, my wife's studying, you know, to be a midwife now. I said, I guess so. I mean, at that point,
2: <laughs> so he told now, me to tell you hi, by the way. Oh
1: yeah, we we'll give him, uh, give, him uh, give him the I same greeting. I'll give him the same. I love high. that guy. I love that guy. Great, one of the most creative, imaginative, theological minds in North America, and I say that I, I agree. without reservation. I agree, uh, hands down. If you haven't read him, read him. So Nevin was somebody also wrote an essay called the sect system. He mm-hmm. found himself. I mean, interesting. Not sto- the
2: sect system. The sect. Sect. We, a lot of people don't know who Nevin was, so we got to be really clear. The there. sect
1: <laughs> system. Uh, so so he they know, all
2: lived in a big house in New York and made silver. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, I always an essay about like how basically American entrepreneur religion yeah. is on right. is very fervent and and claims it's biblical. And if, and yet it seems out of step with Christian history as a whole, right. and and he that really concerned him, and he thought that we needed a big picture, a, a bigger picture kind of view on Christianity that that mm. it took history seriously because you know the the, the, the organic stuff right, the, the body of Christ was really something in history, and and the visible invisible church line mm. was messier, and yeah, so. D.G. Hart, who is a fascinating scholar uh, on many, on many uh, levels, good scholar, did his dissertation decades ago at John Hopkins on uh, Machen. Uh, it's a great book on intellectual biography. Didn't know that. Yeah. It's, it's a good book. And he talks about, in a book called The Lost Soul of American Protestantism, which is in a academic series. I mean, Harawas, I think, uh, is one of the ed- editors of the series and some other people. Talks about this uh, sort of tension between the transcendent in Christianity mm-hmm. and the desire in America to make Christianity applicable to everyday life all the time. Right. And this guy is a guy who is a huge Nevin fan. Wrote a, a Nevin, an intellectual biography of Nevin, which is not terrible. I mean, it's not probably. I mean, I'm neither Bill nor I could High judge High church it as Calvinist, well as, I think that was. Yeah, the yeah. Same High title. church Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you saying? You got a copy over there. I didn't you can pull change. it out. It's Certainly still on the there. shelf. It's still on the shelf. Okay. I, I pulled it a few. Other. But he talks about this tension uh, about, you know, the kind of American sort of desire for pragmatic religion.
0: Right. I'll
1: okay. quote him at some length. On the one hand, inserting religion explicitly into non-religious spheres can turn something that believers and non-believers share in common into a source of antagonism. Does faith, for instance, make a difference in medicine? And if so... Is there a Christian form of medicine, let alone a Baptist one? What is more, for every reform for which Protestantism gains credit, such as the abolition of slavery, the advocates of faith relevance do not readily acknowledge its failures, such as prohibition. Some Christians believe it would have been better to resolve the issues over slavery and alcohol without introducing religion, thereby keeping some forms of prejudice and self-righteousness as much as possible out of the equation. On the other hand, the application of Christianity to social and personal problems can hurt religion by leading believers to forget what makes their faith holy or, or sacred. As the editorial in The New Republic argued, and God we trust is on all our coins, but the ubiquity of the affirmation has not led to any sharpening of the soul or the moral sense. Instead, God is dropped into parking meters and vending machines throughout the land. In some, the application of religion to practical affairs Sacralizes things that are common, e.g. exercise, eating, and politics, and trivializes things that are sacred, e.g. creed, sacraments, and pastoral ministry. The point here is not that religion is without relevance to common life, but as social scientists have argued, religion has to do primarily with the holy and sacred rites and symbols. In the words of H. L. Mencken, religion, if it is to retain any genuine significance, can never be reduced to a series of sweet attitudes possible to anyone not actually in jail for felony. Instead, faith in God is something far more, <laughs> okay. deep, far more deep down diving and mud upbringing. So there you go. Uh, what do you think about, Like, uh, what do we think about that? Yeah. I, I think the key there is I,
2: I agree with the part about not reducing it. The funny thing is, you know, so Nevin is probably most well-known for things like if he is for those among whom he is known, He's known for things like the mystical presence and wrote a lot about. He had developed a theology of history and all that sort of thing. But he wrote a lot of polemical stuff and included in that is also a, a, a real concern for the social, political world, so the arts and the sciences and these other things. So it wasn't. He he. I think he wanted to make sure that. I mean, he's he's working with a dialectic, right? So for him, all of these things are kind of uh, are kind of brought into the life of of God through church and through humanity that has faith, and so it is this. Um, you know, it's, it's like an analogy of being at work there, right? I mean, you kind of gather this whole creation up into the life of God in some way. It's just, that's where the Hegelian stuff starts to come through. I say that only to say that I I like what Hart says generally, but I'd really want to emphasize more the dialectic that's at work and make sure you're not making a decision between either and or because for Nevin the church question, as he called it, was the question: What is the church, and what does it mean to be a member of that body? But that was not that was not over against What's practical in life, and what and what matters out there? The this, this sacred secular thing wouldn't work very well for Nevin. I mean, he had some boundaries, but there's, they're very permeable. And I think he had a dialectic in mind.
0: Yeah, I, I think where that really—I think what I like about that quote is particularly in the context of. Uh, a non state church in this country that always was built on the market. I
1: know you like that. the making part, like <laughs> hey, if you're not in jail for a felony. <laughs> funny.
0: That's right. He is funny. He always he was good. He's good for a quote, always, yeah. yeah.
1: But um by the way, DG Hart does not believe any Christian layperson should do evangelism. And I know that from a prominent pastor who's shown remain nameless. Like like basically he thinks if you want to do evangelism bring them to an Orthodox Presbyterian church yeah. to hear a licensed minister of the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and,
2: and if you're hearing any caution, in my voice responding to the quote, it's because I, I'm familiar with some of the broader structures of his work that I disagree with. And, yeah. and it has to do with the church and the state and these other things. So I, I think I know what he's, I think what he's getting at with there, I disagree with, but yeah. the, Paragraph itself is okay. Yeah.
0: Now, you know, because I I do think there's a sense where— I scoured
1: for a good paragraph. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, it's also—I mean, I think the interesting thing is um, it would be if Christians were more honest about their failures. So, for instance, yes, uh, um, you know, prohibition—or slavery, child labor laws, women's suffrage, things like that were important Christian issues— and those were things we were on the right side of history about. Uh, we should also own the utter failure of prohibition and the unintended consequences. And certainly, uh, probably a, a better test case would sometimes would be how—
1: Wait, wait. We're against child labor laws. How are we going to keep our iPhones? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, I mean, look. I know. Well, I don't I said, have an iPhone. Uh, 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 <laughs> that's it. <It's> lithium. <laughs> The Nadia Boltzweber, who you know, who I like, you know, but in her new book says, you know, porn is okay as long as it's ethically sourced. I'm thinking, what could you watch it on? <laughs> what, what a film strip, like <laughs> the candle.
0: Yeah, she's she's such a classic example of the danger of becoming a famous Christian. Uh, um, yeah, it really does, it kills yourself. Keep <laughs> so, going. No, that's all. That's 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 all it. It kills. Yeah, kills, kills your soul and your theology. Uh, so be careful what you want,
1: what you ask for mm-hmm. in your career. That's why I don't leave the bunker. off. <laughs> it's Bill's no. admonitions like that that keep me down here.
0: Well, but you know, people need to, the emperor's naked. People need to say it. If you care, if you actually care about these people, yeah. you should. You should. You should say
1: so. Anyway, and if the emperor's naked, the emperor better hope they're doing keto. Is that <laughs> sugar? That's what kills the abs. Sugar. <laughs> Okay. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning after your evening routine or while you're exercising or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Saul, Ellis Brazil. Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Kress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show.
0: But uh, I think this idea of um, – sometimes I think, for me, a good uh, approach to the church-state issue um, is is what does is, what is necessity ask you to do? For instance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people <laughs> – You know, talk about the expansion of the papacy under Gregory the Great. Well, the whole city was was falling apart. If Gregory the Great, the Pope, wouldn't have stepped in, you know, people would have gone hungry. Uh, They would have been, you know, overrun again by barbarian tribes. I mean, he went. I think he even helped get the, uh, you know, the aqueducts working again. So sometimes I think the principle is: what does your time require you to do as to be a faithful member of the body of Christ? And I don't think there's not one size fits all. Um, you know, there are probably more important things right now than running Christian aerobics classes at your churches. Nothing against aerobics. <laughs>
2: right? Oh, like someone just logged off. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <They> just <laughs> lost Man, But you know, there's a sense where,
0: and and again, I think having a holistic. Uh, I mean, probably churches should talk as much about gluttony as they do sex. I mean, I think we mm. because in this country, and
1: what about Christian Pilates?
0: <laughs> Sarah Coakley argument.
2: Huh? Sarah Coakley makes that argument in her um, in her work on desire. She says, "Why does anybody talk about gluttony?" Yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I actually, one time, there was. I worked at a church that remained in had been through a kind of a scandal, and the place was so sexually repressed you could you could just feel it in the air. So
2: I said I, I announced next week. What I, does sexual repression feel like in the air? air, air creepy. <laughs>
0: it's all it's uh, it's it's, it, it's it, all it's all tingly. <laughs> it, it, it's that
1: point at the at the Pence household when when everybody's really creeped out, and and Pence turns around to his wife and says, "Mother, clear the dishes."
0: <laughs> now, my goodness, there that's that's better than ten cold showers in a row. Rich, exactly. which said there But the whole thing, Mike went- Pence,
1: America's stepfather.
0: <laughs> so I just said next week I'm going to talk about the most dangerous sin of the flesh that we're facing this congregation. And I preached on gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I agree. I think it is a, it is a dangerous thing.
2: But yeah. you make a good point about, you know, talking about necessity. What, I, what I'm inferring, tell me if I'm going wrong here, is a, just a deeper the, theology of vocation and um, being faithful in ordinary avenues of life. Yeah. What's, and that's why I always get comfortable even about the, the category of, where we set up the, the holy... <laughs> the the ritual side of church versus the practical stuff right, out here, right. and I, I, even when it's well intended, I'm worried about that a little bit because um, I, I'm I'm of the view that uh, the vast majority of American congregations, I think Nevin would have said the same thing, should cut all the programs, cut all the volunteerism, and just commission people to go follow Jesus in their daily life. And that, and that actually is a challenge; it's a hard challenge to help people do that. But that's I think more worth. The time, energy, and, and discipling,
1: um, and this is what Hart's getting at. I mean, to some, I mean, part of what Hart's pushing against is a kind of Dutch Kyperian This this sort of kind of Calvinism says there's a Christian worldview, and if you're an engineer, there's a sort of God, a certain way God wants you to be an engineer. If you're a if you're a hairstylist, or if you're an architect, or if you're a sanitary, you know, engineer, you know, you, you'll do a different, you'll do it differently than a kind of secular one because the, you know, the it's, there's a lot put in the doctrine of creation, things like that, as opposed to a kind of Augustinian view, I think, which Hart has a kind of, it's probably more two kingdom Lutheran than two cities Augustine. Here, Cause Augustine, it, it, I think is going to think if you're building an aqueduct, it's less that you're building a Christian aqueduct, like, Either by carving little ichthus fishes in it while you're doing it, or because you have a <laughs> you meditate enough on the creation accounts that you get a better equation it's more like you do it for penultimate peace, whereas the pagan where somebody that doesn't thinks it's a more form of, more of a form of ultimate peace mm. and, and right. that there's this eschatological horizon right that that there there's that, that there's some kind of final ultimate age which breaks into this one and yet. Chastens us and makes us think that you know. At the same time, we 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 do things for different motivations, and also sh- should kind of stop our jobs or our political projects or our families or anything from being salvation projects or 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 self salvation projects or saving the world projects, because that's those things are already done in the work of Christ.
0: Yeah, I I and I, and I really, I mean, I think. Program as an into unto itself is always a problem, you mm-hmm. know. Because and it's mm-hmm. so easy to forget why you do it. I mean, try try stopping a program in a church that's no longer working. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. I've done my spent my whole career, and it's amazing how much bloodshed over stopping something that nobody wants to do anymore, but no one wants to end it. And there's someone who is invested in it, and they don't want to do it anymore. But if you try to cut it, you know, then you know they'll go after you any way they can. So this this, is all this This
1: crazy. This is the best argument against Dan Brown's Christology in the Da Vinci Code, right? (laughs) Like he thinks like, basically everybody just thought Jesus was a really righteous dude, like an enlightened guy. And then all the ministers came in and said we now believe Jesus is God. Everybody just said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like Dan Brown is never going to church. He's never been, the, to, he's never been to a
0: church meeting. Cause the sure. number one <laughs> commandment is
1: we've never done it that way. And the second <laughs> commandment is likened to it. We've yeah. always done it this
0: way. And if the minister wants it, it must be, wrong. <laughs> it must be right. wrong. Right? Uh, <laughs> but I would, if I had one, and it's interesting what you said there made me think that if I, had, if I could do one thing, if I, if I could be Pope of a uh, Protestantism in America for one day, I would say uh everybody needs to work on sacramental piety. If you would mm-hmm. if if you want I would I think the single most possible key to renewal in mainline churches or any churches is a rediscovery of sacramental piety and see where that leads you. I mean I'm not presuming that, you know, uh but you genuinely do an explanation of what it means and then practice it. Um I I it's I, and I've seen it happen too, but I, I would be I think the way of program, a lot of our, pro, super, our, our program, it kills us energy-wise and get back to the mystical body. If I text. could be
1: American Pope for a day, I would say everybody, if we're going to have Passing of the Peace and touch each other, we're, disp- we're dispensing pocket Purells. Because my wife's a medical professional. It's like, when people say <laughs> Passing of the Peace, I see Passing of Disease. Here we go. The so I would just disease. say if we just, you know, like. Let's put our money where our hands are. My wife you know? would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. hey, but I'm just saying. You know, a
2: couple of things though about, uh, about that, uh, Nevin. I think first of all, would absolutely agree with that sacramental piety piece because for him, the, the Eucharist. Um, this language he used frequently, the Eucharist was was the not just the it, it was by faith the reality that. For him, binds um, is a symbol of the cosmos, right? It's supposed to actually bind everybody together. So, you know, Nevin, um, so much of his polemical writing was against uh, not just sectarian, kind of tribal market driven church movements, but also just the. you know, atomistic individualism that he really wanted to help people see that you know, we're all a community. You know, I was, um, I was recently going back through some Nevin stuff and I thought, gosh, you know, actually, um, Nevin has a foundation here for people thinking more systemically about sin and redemption and things like that, that most of his contempor- contemporaries simply did not have. They didn't have those categories. But for him, it really is all rooted in that sacramental piety that if you get the church question right and you get the worship and sacraments right, by faith those are what kind of inform the way humanity lives lives itself out in the world and that's what begins to transform arts and sciences and technology is um is that and and if you
1: think right of like i think i probably got this from lightheart or or lightheart through barry Harvey or something but like if you think about just what it takes in any contemporary north american worship service to get bread and wine or bread and grape juice to a table, it's chemists, it's mm-hmm. Freon, it's yeah. it's it's granaries, it's the stock market, it's the like. There's nothing, the the whole world that we know is represented in mm-hmm. those two elements in front of us. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to remember there's a I can't remember the name, unfortunately, but um, there's some good couple of good Roman Catholic theologians who've written on that theme pretty well about basically all of society being gathered up into this moment. And and it's not even in for the ones I've read, at least not a uniquely distinctive Roman Catholic theology of the eucharist um it's just a this what you just described is this idea of everything being gathered up so that you can kind of gain a view of what's happening in the world it's a very apocalyptic sort of thing, and then being able to be sent back out so
0: remember that old movie uh, was it places, places in the heart in the heart yeah in the and, end yeah in the end I remember it's uh it starts out where Sally feels it's like during the depression and a a uh, young African American man is drunk, and he accident, accidentally shoots the sheriff, which is Sally uh, Fields' husband. Mm. And uh, but at any rate, there's the, the the whole story. But at the end, it's a surreal kind of ending where they're in a church and they're doing and they're and they're doing celebrating the Eucharist. And like everybody who's been in the movie, including the the KKK, mm. uh, the a blind John Malkovich plays a young blind man. There's an uh, Danny Glover was an African American worker who gets driven away by the KKK, but they're all together in church. And the last scene is the boy that shot the sheriff, yeah. sir. You know, receives communion with mm. the sheriff who died. And this idea wow. of it's it's really, a very, you know, it's and it's kind of a surprising ending to the movie, but. Uh, a powerful image of... What, what's uh, the what's the film? Places, Places in the Heart. Places okay. in the Heart. It's probably... Yeah. Danny Glover's in it. Too. Danny Glover. As he,
1: is John Malkovich. John
0: Malkovich plays the blind in Sally Field. And uh, yeah, it's a very powerful, powerful film. Probably thirty, at least 30 years old. Yeah.
2: Well, the image is exactly right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, again, why I was so drawn to... These Mercersburg guys, so many years ago, Schaff and Nevin—that was that was their grand view of everything. That it was all being reconciled to God and Jesus. And I think that's—they—they um, they took that. That was the governing principle, right? I mean, well, Nevin says the incarnation, but the whole idea that everything's being bound up with Jesus. And that—that that was the first time I said, "Yeah, that's rec- that's the theology of reconciliation." I've been looking for. Yeah, it's not just an exchange of things; it's the whole thing. Um, so. Yeah, you and
0: I were talking beforehand that you know probably you say everything's Christology. So what's wrong with the mainline <laughs> churches? Many of them, they don't really have any I mean they're functional unitarians. Uh when it comes, there's not a mystical sense. But I would say and the same thing is true, um, you know, maybe evangelicals are functional modalist, uh and uh which ends up being Unitarianism anyway. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> yeah, so but it's just but there's a sense where they'll they have the language and they think they are. But uh, we got three modes, uh, but there's not much. Yeah, but there's uh,
1: water, ice, steam.
0: uh, It's, you know, uh, I remember uh, years ago, the Wittenberg door uh, when it first came out was really funny. And they had a picture on the front cover of like the National Christian Booksellers Convention. and It's like, where's Waldo? (laughs) And it says, where's Jesus? In this, And you open up the in, inside cover and he goes, yeah, we couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but you could probably say that about, you can certainly say that about what's going on politically in evangelical circles. You certainly can say about what's going on in a lot of our churches. And I, I think it comes down to is, you know, uh, our view of the church is too small. So it's easy to lose it. It's easy mm-hmm. to become involved in sometimes good things, um, but things that are less than the well, redemption of the world
2: it's the same you know what's so fascinating to me about the 19th century is that if you want to understand american religion that's what you really study yeah, i yeah. mean you really and that was the other thing that drew me to nevin and hodge and the debates that were happening is that i began to understand what was happening i mean even the whole idea of stump speeches is really coming out of revivalism I a mean, yeah. whole political Finney, landscape yeah. comes out of that so um yeah that, that, that's exactly right and I, I think that the whole movement actually has a lot to to offer in the way we think about um, well, all of these things because you know for for Nevin that the real problem I, I imagine if Nevin were alive today he would be able to critique everybody you know he was kind of a <laughs> grouch. Um, he'd have something to say he might
1: walk around speaking yeah. German but I, but I think
2: he would say to me a, a lot of our mainline churches I think he would say you know you there's a lot of potential here but you you've just become I think for a lot of them he would say you, you've just become an agency of a um, of the, the latest of, of an agenda of a social right. agenda or whatever which is admirable in some ways but we need to regroup And I, I
1: think I think what you're saying it's like it's not the the activity for something good in the world it's the fact that it's disconnected from the redemption of the cosmos so it becomes an end to itself or it becomes the part becomes the whole mm-hmm. which is probably not healthy
0: yeah we we were talking we were talking about um I believe we both have a young life background and um a lot of people came and go i was i was a i imagine
1: kid. i would have been a key kid but i wouldn't have been <laughs> i imagine though like i fantasize i would be a key kid if we could just get him I'd get lindy i mean lindy she's a key kid yeah
0: anyway uh, <laughs> that's why that's why i'm we here you are, you're a key out. you're a key podcaster uh i am a key. Yeah, you are a key i mean michelle
1: big he's but i'm not i mean he's i'm not I'm no michelle but He'd be a key eye well, uh,
0: well yeah you are talking to a guy that that killed my young life club twice by, it, <laughs> by trying to integrate it, and it, it worked the third time, but uh I killed it twice, but anyway um, but <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but there's a sense where uh, um, I I was thinking about the people who who I admire most in ministry and and, and just read your the young life stirred. There was this guy who, uh, different, you know, what was in style of young life came and go 20 times while he remained. And what he would do, he just loved these kids in this blue collar community in Texas. And he was taking kids to camp until like the year before, like the summer before he died. I mean, this guy worked with kids for, you know, uh, for 40, 50 years. uh no glamour, never, never, you know, never was asked to speak at things. He just loved Christ and cared about people who didn't know him. And that that's sustainability in ministry. I mean, I think the fact is, all this other stuff comes and goes. Uh, I remember I was uh, helping somebody move at Princeton, and it was a one of the better New Testament students there who's... Uh, going on to do PhD work somewhere and uh, and they said, you know, as we we're moving, I go, Oh, that's exciting, you're going on he goes, yeah. I go, he goes, but you know, this isn't really a, I, I don't believe any of this anymore. And I go, I stopped, I go, then go to law school. I said, why why go study this if you don't love it? And he looked at me and I and I said, I mean you can have whatever conviction you want to. I said, but don't go teach people your cynicism.
1: Uh, and I think if there were hedge funds available too like you wouldn't even have to go to law school just (laughs) learn an algorithm
0: yeah but I think there's a sense where what's there's something about you know that programs come and go uh, trends come and go um, you know fog machines (laughs) in your worship service (laughs) always a bad idea (laughs) but uh, but I do think holding on what's what's time hey I want to qualify
1: that like in certain contexts I like nice fog (laughs) 80s rock.
0: Yeah, if you're stoned out at a, if you want to listen to rock and roll, not right before the, uh, not before
2: the Eucharist. (laughs) (laughs) Just think
1: of it as an intense censer, like (laughs) incense. You know, just a very intense one.
2: Yeah, it's not a guarantee that the Holy Spirit's working, but it's a pretty good indicator if you have a good fog machine. By (laughs)
1: the way, you were saying (laughs) Nevin's critique to the evangelicals, though, was so the main line. You give us the main line. Not enough Christology, not enough to the whole... What
2: to the... <laughs> be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, 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 don't know, I, and I'm not, I really believe that. I, I think that the the, the pitfalls, uh, you know, there's so many, there's not just two ends of the spectrum anymore around, uh, at least in the U.S. But I really do. I think it always comes back to Christology and, and deep discipleship. Can I have a commitment to that?
0: Yeah, the problem isn't liberal conservative. The problem is, yeah. who's Jesus Christ?
2: Or the... Uh, the way I've been putting it most recently is that the problem is not liberal conservative. The, the The problem is, um, commitment to the gospel versus life coaching. I mean, yeah, you know, the, the liberal version of life coaching is, uh, we got to go be active about this. The conservative uh, version of that is your life could be so much better. If, I mean, it's just,
1: the gospel is not good advice. It's yeah. good news.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's like, we're, you know, that the, the, I'm again, these are broad brushstrokes, but I think they are pretty accurate. And that is, you know, the more, the more progressive side is, you know, do this so we can make society better. And the other side is do this so you can make yourself better. I mean, it's – and they're both exhausting. Um, and neither one of them have much of a Christology, in my view. There are obviously exceptions to that. I go to a, a mainline Presbyterian church that I think is a healthy exception to that. but um,
0: Yeah, there, there are healthy exceptions. But, uh, you know, there are the, – the Christ is alive and well in many places throughout uh uh America and when people are gathered, but I do think that I think that's a really succinct. Even in way.
1: places with smoke machines once in a while. Sure. Uh
0: but uh, uh but I do think that's a pretty succinct way of saying if you had to if you had to say it in one way, that's a pretty good way of saying
2: well, that's it. All, yeah, uh, Scott knows my friend Jeff Myers and uh is a Roswell Presbyterian now and I was my family we I wanna
1: consider him an honorary friend of the show.
2: Yeah he is a friend of the show. Um, you
1: think he would do Synaxis?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, he'd all right. Be, be Myers dead. your book, but when we, when my family joined the church, um, it's funny I can't actually join the church because right. I'm a member of Presbytery, which is strange. Uh, anyway, so when we decided we were going to camp there, Jeff said, "Oh, that's great. Uh, let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you." And I emailed him. I said, "Don't ever be my life coach from the pulpit." Thanks. <laughs> uh, I love it, <laughs> but I was kind of serious. I was like, "I, I don't good. need advice on Sunday." I mean, I you know, that's good. I don't need I don't need anybody telling me how to be a better dad or a better, you know. I just the rest of the week is hard enough. I've got enough advice. I really just, I've always said, you know, really in in 2019, I would love to go to a service one day where someone just stands up uh, and says, uh, Jesus died for your sins and has risen for your justification. Uh, That that would be a great six second sermon. You could tweet that. I would, I would love that sermon. I really Uh, would. You
1: could, you could tweet that. Just be like, or one, if you're present, you could tweet, Jesus died for your sins, rose for your justification no collusion mega
2: <laughs> exonerated yeah
1: exonerated
0: except he wouldn't say the first two things you said.
1: <laughs> but uh mike I, pence tells me yeah, Jesus.
0: And, and mike pence has christology issues too but uh one of the things that struck me when you were saying that story what you said your minister i heard someone uh tell a story from cpe that uh there was a uh, guy was uh you know in the last hour last days of his life and the, uh, the chaplain was talking to him he finally says would you stop the damn kubla Ross I'm about to meet God <laughs> <laughs> help me meet God that's yeah what Michael Horton tells us so
1: <laughs> Michael Horton tells a story uh, you know where he's in a fairly liturgical kind of reformed church in Southern California and you know I mean they're not big there's several700 members they're not big there's all, they're surrounded by these big California majors When he comes to him he's like I'm just gonna come for the next few weeks uh My marriage is on the rocks and I don't know. I I don't think it's going to last. I just need a place to hear the word and take the sacraments. He's like, That's fine. Sure. Of course. And after church, he says, Look, you said to me, like, you're in a church. I mean, she was obviously church. Like, well, and she's at one of, you know, she, it comes out, she's at one of these big mega churches. And he said, What are they preaching at your church right now? Oh, uh, a series on how to have a better marriage. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right. Oh I had you know I was in a pretty conservative uh church and um in a in a rural area and there was a obviously a lesbian couple started coming and um uh, and I was always look I was a little concerned because you know there would be a lot of people in that congregation who were not welcoming and uh and I I was doing some pastoral care with one and the couple and after you know I was with them for about 6 months or so and I sat down and I, and I said you know I'm glad you're here but can you tell me why you're I mean why here? And because I, you know, I had a, even a conversation. I'm not sure this is the safest place for you. And they said, "Well, we, we could go to a church where we'd be affirmed and welcome, but we really need to hear about the grace of God right now."
2: Hmm. Yeah, had a similar experience.
0: And and that's an interesting thing. Now, I'm not saying churches that are welcoming don't preach the grace of God, mm-hmm. but I it, it was it was struck me that this couple to to, to risk to themselves emotionally. Uh, that's they were hung. That's what they needed. Kind of mm-hmm, similar yeah. to that story. Yeah. And
2: actually, I I would argue that um, it is actually that that message of grace, that proclamation of grace, and its clarity that that actually prompts a lot of the quote good works out in the world. Absolutely, I, I think it, you know, learning to receive grace and extend it to others. That that is. You know, the the social and political and cultural engagement of the church and the world, that's where it starts. I think so much of the, we got to go get busy this week with X, it's a a short-term bargain. Um, I've learned to be much more engaged with the world around me uh, from grace than I have from being, you know, beat over the head with, you got to go do this. But, well, we think
0: about the great saints. You know, someone like Francis, who, mm. you know, radical identification with poverty. Well, it all, but it, <laughs> it all began and it was sustained by and ended with his deep love for Christ.
1: Yeah. You know? So, so Adorno, the philosopher, said, "The whole is a myth." Right? Isaac Re-
2: Dornr? That's where we're going.
1: No, Adorno. Oh,
2: Adorno. Adorno. Is it Isaac
1: Dorner? No, Adorno said <laughs> the whole is a myth, responding <laughs> to Hegel that the truth is the whole, right? Like, but for, but for Nevin, right? The truth is the whole, it's the whole Christ. And that's where the parts are going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously the key distinction between Hegel and, and, you know, for for Hegel, there's so much about that.
1: And one was more Christian than the other. Well,
2: that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you know,
1: one was German too,
2: but, but I, I really appreciate like. We're all a kind of a footnote to Hegel. I mean, we really are. It's hard absolutely to, it's hard to avoid that. But you know, with Hegel, it's this, it's the spirit and the state. You know, this sort of these broad notion of the spirit. I'm not a Hegel expert, but
1: you know, but Nevin takes that never that never stops anyone in this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. I, I'm not really an expert on anything we've talked about so far. So you just put that asterisk at the bottom. Um, but yeah, for Nevin, the, the, whole, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And for, for Nevin, that is the whole Christ. And for him, is principally expressed in the Incarnation.
1: There you go. That's why you should check out Macedonian Ministries. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> and good Monday to you. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Good talking to yeah, you. Thanks fun. so much, my friend. I'll just come, come back and join us once again. Once a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Hey listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless.